Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest updates from the world of sports, gambling, and pop culture. Because you can't have a show without hot takes or a Tiger King meme these days. Know what I'm saying? Now, with over 200 episodes and ready to get after it again, here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Okay, it is Sunday fun day, folks, so you know what that means. We got a lot of NFL action to cover, so we're going to break the games down one by one. I'll give you my thoughts on each matchup, betting-wise, as well as uh, the fantasy breakdown. So uh, let's get right down to it. We have the Indianapolis Colts going to Jacksonville to play the Jags. Uh, Indy, the line started at 4.5. It's up to 6.5. Seven, depending on the market. Uh, but, uh, you know, realistically, the the way this is actually shaping up is, you know, I hate this Jags team. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, like I, that's about as simple as it put. Like, I don't think this Jags team is very good. But as I've said time and time again, I think Matt Ryan is washed. I don't think he's very good. Uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, the Colts should have lost to the Texans last week. So I, I have a lot of trepidation with this Colts team without Michael Pittman because Michael Pittman got ruled out today, uh, well, yesterday. And so now I got to look at this and say, you know, am I supposed to trust uh, 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 Parrish? I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't even know who the number one receiver on the Colts is uh, because you know we it, it could be Parrish Campbell, uh, you know, is it uh, Ashton Doolin who got a couple of targets and catches last week? I don't really have a great feel for this Colts passing attack, but uh, you know they're cheap enough where uh, Doolin's thirty two hundred, no, uh, thirty uh, four hundred. And uh, you've got uh, Parrish Campbell at 3,700. You know, it's just one of those where, realistically, the price is really cheap. Uh, you know, that's where it's kind of coming down to where it's just like, you know, you, you kind of, you're probably going to just make do with uh, what you got because as, as it stands, it just feels too cheap in terms of, uh, the matchups today like that that's what has me concerned is just the fact that you know if you look at uh if you look at the grand scheme of things these matchups are heavily sided towards the Colts because of the run game but Jacksonville did give the Colts trouble uh rushing wise with Jonathan Taylor like he had to get there with uh back-breaking runs and as you recall, uh, you may recall, maybe you don't recall, the last game of the year with Carson Wentz when the Colts just needed to win the game to get into the playoffs, you know, they couldn't run the ball, and then Carson was just imploding throwing. So, you know, it's not the, the fact that, like, uh, all these uh, games are equal and these me- uh, teams are equal because you – you change roster over year over year, but it's a little bit, 
it's a little bit uh, disheartening because, you know, I kind of look at it from the standpoint of I don't really like either one of these teams uh, from a fantasy perspective. I'll play some of Jonathan Taylor because you, you never want to fade Jonathan Taylor. Even at 10K, it, it's just it, Jonathan Taylor always feels like he could burn you at any given moment. Maybe you should... Uh, like take uh, more of a set, but it's like this is more of a you know you do a little hedge just in case he peel, peels you for one, and it's not necessarily the best way to go about it. But you know I feel confident enough with the way I'm building this week that I can afford to fit in uh, a smidge of Jonathan Taylor because my lineups are not going to suffer tremendously from his inclusion based off of how I'm building. Now, looking at the uh, the matchup, though, the way I, I kind of look at this is if Matt Ryan can just play action, even with the depleted core, they should be able to just take care of business and win comfortably. The problem is you got a quarterback I don't trust, receivers I don't trust, and it really just kind of comes down to you know, what do we have in the way of, uh, what do we have in the way of, uh, playmakers? Because like at the end of the day, it still kind of comes down to, you know, where we land in terms of like the game script. I think the game script is heavy Jonathan Taylor. Even if it starts out slow, they keep pounding the rock. They get enough going with Taylor you know, he gets you probably a buck 20 and a touchdown or two, and they play action. It's like, I don't expect to see uh, Matt Ryan with 280 plus yards passing. I think he's probably going to be in that 220 range. And, you know, it's just a matter of uh, does Doolin get a touchdown grab or is it Parrish Campbell? Uh, you know, maybe it's a Kyle Granton. I actually do like Granton as a punt at 2,600 at tight end just because I'm not in love with tight end this week. So, you know, I, I can get behind Granton. But, like, the problem with all, like, this matchup in general is I think this Jack team is terrible. You know, as much as, you know, I could say, yeah, I think the Jacks could win, you know, I think they suck. Uh, you know, it, it just take it would take more of a collapse on the Colts then the Jags winning this game, uh, just to be perfectly honest, that's why the spread's where it is. But, you know, I've seen stranger things happen, but, you know, I just don't really see the Colts losing this one. You know, even from a, a betting standpoint, I wouldn't put money on the Jags just because I know this Jags team sucks. So, uh, moving on, we've got Carolina traveling to New York to play my Giants. Uh the Giants are two and a half point favorites. They don't get the full three because Vegas still thinks that uh, Carolina should win this matchup. And realistically, Carolina should win this matchup. They really should win this matchup. If if you look at these rosters, Baker Mayfield should be able to figure out a way of getting this Panthers team a W here. If Baker Mayfield cannot beat Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield should not be starting quarterback in the NFL next year. Because I know Daniel Jones should not be a starting quarterback, but people still seem to believe that Baker Mayfield is a starting quarterback. I watched that game last week. 
That game last week against the Browns pretty much validated why the Browns got rid of Baker. Because Baker's ego won't allow him to run the effing offense the way it's supposed to be run. Baker won't run the offense. He's still trying to gunsling and holding on the ball too long, like waiting for guys to be wide open to throw the ball instead of throwing it to the pocket when the play is calling for it. You got to trust your players to have a step on the defender and throw the goddamn ball. Like Baker's holding on the ball way too long. And that's what scares me with this matchup against the Giants because realistically, we're going to give him opportunities to throw the ball if he if he actually runs the offense. But if Baker doesn't run the offense, I think the Giants can shut down this offense. And even with Christian McCaffrey, I think th- there's a good chance that the Giants can bottle him up because if Baker is just holding on all day to the ball, it makes it easier for the Giants' defense to swarm. So, realistically, it kind of comes down to a matter of what is going to prevail. Is Baker actually going to allow the offense to flow the way it's supposed to? Get the quick passes to McCaffrey. Get uh, get some slant routes to DJ Moore. Take your shots down the field with play action to Robbie Anderson. That's the way the offense is supposed to run. If Baker does this BS where he's just holding on to the ball, trying to throw guys wide open... Because he do- he can't read the play or he doesn't trust the play, we are in for a long long game. Because I know the Giants are not doing diddly squat on offense with Daniel Jones throwing. He is going to dink and dunk for three and four yard pass plays, and then we're going to hope and pray Saquon can run for 180 yards like he did last week. I would think that Carolina is prepared for Saquon and. Uh, being responsible in their gap assignments to stop Saquon from running all over the field. I would think I've been wrong before, but I would think they would have their, you know what together. So from my perspective on this, this game really comes down to, do they actually manage to do their jobs? Because if they do the jobs, they're going to beat the giants. The problem is, I can see the Giants winning this game and, and just trolling me because I can see Baker just screwing this game up. And believe me, if the Panthers lose this game, it's on Baker. It is squarely on Baker. I don't like the the defense is not going to give up thirty points to the Giants. I promise you that the Giants maybe maybe they break twenty four. I highly doubt it. But maybe, maybe, maybe like, you know, somebody fumbles a ball in the, like there's a scoop and score or short yardage field. But realistically, the Giants are not breaking 24. This is going to be pretty low scoring. I don't really have interest in many pieces in the, in, on the either side. Uh, you can look at McCaffrey and you look in Saquon because, you know, realistically, they should be getting a short yardage pass work. Like, it, they should... Should be getting volume. Will they be getting volume? <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine because these teams, again, are not very good. So we can have a situation where we don't get nearly enough balance in the offenses and then we just get completely stagnant where the ball's not moving and we just get a bunch of punts. And that's what scares me because... Outside of the running backs, the only other guy I have any remote interest in 
on either side is Richie James on the Giants. Just because he's so cheap at 3,200, maybe he catches a touchdown, but I think he's got, you know, four to six catches in him. Now, again, because of Daniel Jones throwing the ball, he's probably only going to get like 60 yards at best. He's not, he's not getting close to like 100 yards. He's probably going to get maybe 50. But with all the little dinky dunk catches and his price tag, it allows you to fit enough pieces offensively to make certain things work. And that's where I kind of look at it as saying, you know, I don't, I don't really love either running back, but, you know, I can get there. Uh, with uh, certain roster builds, but it's this is not a game I'm going to be actively targeting. Next up, a game that I am hoping goes to the game plan because it has the day, the potential of just raining on my parade with just just an ex- offensive explosion that I don't want to deal with. It is the Ravens hosting Miami. Ravens are three and a half point favorites. Miami. You know, everyone's questioning Tua. I don't think Miami's offense is very good. But there's a weird thing with this Ravens team that I can't shake. And it's the fact that if they don't boat race you and get out to a big lead, by that third quarter, they have a bad tendency of that defense fading with the pass rush and not being able to cover people. And the fact that you've got a Miami team... With Tyreek Hill and more importantly, Jalen Waddle. Yes, you heard me. Jalen Waddle is more important than Tyreek Hill. Jalen Waddle is the better route runner. He's almost at that elite speed level as Tyreek Hill. People sleep on Jalen Waddle's speed. Jalen Waddle can go. Now, we know Cheetah is Cheetah. Cheetah's the fastest dude in the NFL, still. But. People sleep on Waddle's speed. And the thing I worry about with the Ravens is the Ravens could get up and they could still be up. But because you would be forcing Miami to throw, I, I'm almost like worried about having Miami uh, chucking because of those two wideouts being able to do damage against uh uh, being able to do damage against the Ravens secondary. Like, I, I worry about that Ravens defense because it, I've seen it happen. I, I've seen it, this Ravens defense implode in spots where it's like they really shouldn't be imploding, and, and you then are scratching your heads. Like, you know, we saw this in a game against Detroit last year where you're like, how the hell is this game still go, like going up? Like, that's what gives me, like, some weird vibes with this Ravens because I've seen them do this before. When they've got like fast receivers, and this was like I'm on Ross St. Brown's coming out party, I could see that happening with uh, uh, Miami. Now, will I have shares? The problem with doing shares, they're kind of pricey, and I don't like a ton of the Ravens runbacks. Basically, it's like you play Lamar, and he's uh, at 7600. I don't really want to be playing Mark Matthews. Uh, like, yeah, he's 6400 but, like, you're tying up a ton of salary. You know, I'm not I'm not exactly, you know, going to go over the moon with uh, getting uh, exposure on, um, 
the Ravens pieces. Like people want to talk about Devin Duvernay, you know, not really sold there. Uh, Rashad Bateman, you know, yeah, I guess like he's cheap and cheaper than Duvernay, but you know, I don't really like the Ravens pieces because uh, like Lamar doesn't throw enough volume to feel very comfy with some of those players. So that that's where it's just kind of tricky, especially on DraftKings. FanDuel, yeah, you can do it, but it's like it's not it it, it it, uh, the FanDuel pricing still isn't really conducive to me uh, going up to Lamar either. And then the runbacks with Miami, you benefit more from the point per reception than the touchdown equity. That I just don't like it because of the Ravens running so much, it burns out the clock. So you you would want to have that full point per reception to be uh, playing on this game. I You know, it has shootout potential. I just don't see it being realized because I do think the Ravens get enough of a handle on this game and the defense does what it needs to do to not get into a shootout with Tua. You know, I don't think it like people keep saying that Tua can't throw. I think Tua can throw fine. It's just a matter of, can he get the protection to get it done because he's a lefty, you know, the, you know, and you got to understand when you're a lefty quarterback, the protection schemes, most teams only design it for right-handed quarterbacks. So, it does kind of flip the script when you're trying to deal with teams and they, they kind of bring uh, bring that pressure on you. Like, not all teams design it better. So I think with uh, the new staff in Miami, you know, it'll take some time, but I, I, I would rather this not be the game where Miami goes off on offense because it, it would be very painful for me. If Lamar goes off and it's with Waddle or Cheetah, you know, the, while the pricing isn't great, it kind of blows up my strategy for the late slate. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. Next up, New England-Pittsburgh. I'm running this game completely off. Don't bother talking to me about who wins this game. Um, New England is favored by a point and a half. Uh, realistically, I don't give two you-know-whats about this game. There is nothing of value in on either side of this game that I'd be interested in. Maybe you can play the defenses. That's about it. There is nothing of valuable uh, value or uh, noteworthy to talk about with this game. Everyone, just fade this game. Fade this game. Do not play this game for fantasy. Do not play for DFS. Just fade it in general. Your pieces are not doing much. The New England offense is a joke between Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. They can't figure out what the play call is. You know, Mac Jones is trying to figure it out on the fly. I just don't see where the points are coming from outside of, you know, random random plays. But, like, the base offense looks like a complete and utter mess. On the flip side with the Steelers, Mitch Trubisky is Mitch Trubisky. He doesn't have uh, much of line protection in this one. I think New England's defense is going to give him fits. Uh, I expect turnovers in this game. This is just an ugly game in general. Don't bother. Next up, Cleveland and the Jets. How the hell was this line six and a half in favor of the Browns? What was this line? Seriously, six and a half for the Browns? Did they forget Deshaun Deshaun Watson is suspended? How was this line six and a half? You know, 
if it wasn't for the fact that it's the Jets, I would be hammering this line. But, you know, for some reason, like, Vegas is convinced that the J- this Jets team is going to roll over for the Browns. And I'm like, when have we seen the Browns be focused enough to like, just pile drive teams? That's the problem. They need to be able to pile drive teams. And, you know, when have the Browns properly given uh, the, uh, the bulk share of the work to Nick Chubb so he can do that? Like, we really haven't seen it. So, I'm supposed to believe it now? Maybe. Maybe they give the rock to Nick Chubb properly so he salts away a game. I'll believe it when I see it. So, to me, that that's where I'm kind of going and, and kind of scratching my head. You know, why is this line six and a half? You know, it's not like the Jets' run defense is that terrible. Like, I'm just not seeing how... The Browns are six and a half point favorites. You know, uh, so you can bet the Jets line. I, I mean, I wouldn't go too crazy monetary wise. Uh, the Jets could even win this game because these are two bad teams. They're just bad teams. But again, as I said last week, I don't think Flacco will make the game crushing mistakes that Zach Wilson tends to do. So you get the benefit there. But realistically i just don't see a ton of value coming out of this one so we're 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 just gonna kind of move on from there i you know there's just not much in terms of fantasy value i see coming out of this game not even with nick chubb pricing wise i'm just not getting there and i don't see enough equity of making it making it worthwhile next up tampa bay in new orleans another game i want to cross off the list okay i'm gonna be perfectly blunt here I've been ranting about this for four or five years. Actually, we're coming up on five uh, five years of the show. I've talked about this extensively. Mike Evans and Marshawn, uh, Marshawn Lattimore basically are always on the verge of having a fist fight on the field of play. I hate playing this matchup. I straight up hate playing this matchup. In DFS, fantasy, betting-wise, I don't like doing it because if if they get themselves in any sort of trouble, they're going to get tossed, and then it throws off the dynamics of the game. New Orleans are home underdogs. So the, uh, it's like a one and a half point spread, it, and it's gone. It's bounced from two and a half to one and a half. You know, I've just seen wonky things happen all the time. That I don't like what I see out of this matchup. Brady gets a ton, uh, gets uh, pressured a ton by uh, New Orleans uh, uh, defensive front. You get a you know you get a lot of sacks like in pass hits. Brady does not like get, uh, dealing with this team. Like they just give him a rough time. So to me, with a bunch of injuries, you still have questions about Letter Fournette being in shape or not. You know Godwin's out, so the wide receivers core's out. You know I just don't trust Mike Evans because I just brought up the whole Lattimore situation. Like, this is a powder keg of bad ideas, like, just confluencing together in in order to, like, say, you know, this is a terrible, terrible uh, way of building your lineup if you're focusing on this game. Fade this game. Just fade it. Because I don't trust Tampa... Jameis versus the Tampa secondary 
Yes, Jameis should be able to throw against the secondary. The other problem is Jameis is also prone to throw a bad interception against this team because they're just ball hawking, and you know Jameis is good for a pick six. Like, there are, like, multiple ways this thing could go wrong. Maybe I should recommend playing Tampa defense. I could play, recommend playing both defenses, to be honest. But realistically, it, it, it's it's not what I want to target. Like, I just don't – when I don't feel good about two teams, I like, I just tend to, like, not play it. And this is just one of those where it's just like, just fade the game. Fade the game and check the box score tomorrow. But do not tilt when you play Mike Evans – and something goes down between him and Lattimore, and you know, and he gets kicked out. Like it's happened. It's already happened before. I've covered this show for enough years now, where when I throw out this message, and then people ignore it, and then something goes wrong, and then I get back. It's like, oh, if only by Evans. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Like these guys do not like each other. This is not like who. Well, this is not a matter of, uh, you know, oh, you know, they, they talk like they are always prone to have a fist fight. They're, they're, they they are willing to get down like that. Like, this is a real beef. So whatever, whatever, like just fade the game, fade the game. This next game I'm talking about, this is the one you actually need to focus on for the one o'clock slate. Pay attention. Washington traveling to Detroit. I'm going to say this as clearly as I can. I think Amon Ross St. Brown is the most overlooked guy on this entire day. Amon Ross St. Brown against this Washington defense should do very well. This Washington pass uh, core between uh, Terry McLaurin, Chris Samuels, and Jahan Dotson should feast on this line secondary. As long as Carson doesn't F it up, which is which is a real possibility, Carson could F it up. But we have to trust that Carson will make enough plays against a bad secondary that he can get it done. So between Carson and Jared Goff, you got two bad QBs. You got two bad secondaries. You've got good skill position players that can make big plays. This is the game I want to be targeting. The Lions are favored by two and a half. The over-under is at 48. It's like we don't have a ton of games with over-unders that are near 50. Like you only got one over 50 with the Ra- uh, Raiders and Cardinals. And I and I have my doubts about that one. But th- to me, this is the game you should be targeting. I like St. Brown. I don't like a ton of pieces on the Lions, but I do think the Lions are going to score. But I think the bulk of the work is still going to go to St. Brown. So with that in mind, my whole thought process is if you go with St. Brown and you make it work where you continue to pepper St. Brown, I think the the way to build is you do a combination of St. Brown and two of Washington pass catchers, whether it's Samuels and McLaurin, Samuels, and you could also use a Logan Thomas. You can use a couple of pass catchers from this game. You don't have to 
like spend all your resources, but you can play uh, Carson at uh, Carson at QB. Like that's that's not the craziest thing in the world. But to me, that's where you need to be concentrating on how to build the lineups because I think St. Brown, because of his price tag, he's only sixty four hundred. He's the number one receiver on the Lions. I think you're going to get enough work where it makes sense to actually have uh, that uh, pay off. And that's where I, I kind of think there is, uh, there's value in playing this early because there are a lot of games I want to cross off. My focus this week is on the 4 o'clock slate when I'm building out my DFS lineups. But from a, a betting standpoint, I like the Lions to win this game. I know people keep, like, this is a pick em game. Or, like, it's went from two and a, uh, Detroit favored by two and a half to a pick em, to then the uh, Washington being favored, back to a pick em. And then I saw even where the Lions got back up to being favored again. I like the Lions to win this game. I'm just being honest with you. The, the, uh, the problem I have with it is, you know, the Lions can sometimes diversify uh, uh, the, the work share of the uh, rushes between uh, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, and I don't think it's necessary to go crazy with uh, forcing, uh, 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 for- forcing the, uh, the issue. And th- that's, that's where I, I kind of look like, you know, it's not the craziest thing in the world where uh, things can uh, be a little bit more. Uh, I don't say surprising because it shouldn't be a surprise. The, the Lions are not a good secondary. I don't think Washington is nearly stout defensively as people give them credit for. I think this game shoots out because it's close enough where both teams are going to start like throwing haymakers come the fourth quarter with deep shots down the field. I think this is the game you need to be targeting in the early slate, and then we start backing away, and then we start targeting the game I want to focus on in Cincinnati and Dallas. We'll get to that in a bit, but um, that's the way I think we should be looking at this slate in general. So uh, with that being said, we're going to take a quick break, uh, uh, come back, and then we'll get into the 4 o'clock window. Stay tuned, folks. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. All right, so let's talk about this 4 o'clock window because for my perspective, we can cross off even more games here. I'm going to be highly concentrated with my player pool this week because I don't trust these games. So first up, we've got Seattle and San Francisco. Seattle... Got the win on Monday night because the Nathaniel Hackett, the new Broncos head coach, is a moron. 
Um, the offense looks like a mess with the Broncos. We're going to get to that. Uh, you know, right now, I, I'm, I'm looking at this, and I want to say, realistically, this should be San Francisco winning. But Trey Lance looked terrible last week. The offense still looks like they're trying to figure out how to work with Trey Lance. You got more inclement weather in San Francisco where it's rainy, so you already know Trey can't throw. This just looks like Niners favored by 10. This just looks like a bad idea. Like, why are we why are we taking the Niners with this big of a number? Like, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. This doesn't make any sense to me where, you know, why 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 are we why are we trying to force the issue? It just it really doesn't work trying to force force in a team that is gonna struggle on offense. Yes, they're gonna run the ball, but realistically, Trey Lance still has to be able to throw the ball. And, you know, we're we're not seeing it. So from my perspective, this is one of those where, you know, it it's just kind of getting cute when you don't need to. So, I'm just looking at this from the standpoint of why, why, why are we, why are we, why are we going overboard with this? It's like just doesn't make a, t- a ton of sense in my opinion. Um, I would say take the Seattle side. You can play the defenses, just fade the offenses in this game because Seattle's just going to want to run the ball. You got Jeff Wilson uh, uh, playing uh, for Elijah Mitchell, who's out with a knee injury. Jeff Wilson's uh, 5,100 on DraftKings. Uh, does he get the full work as a starting running back? Probably not, because that's usually what uh, San Fran does. They, they split it up. They'll have Debo run the ball. They'll, they'll do some wacky stuff with, like, use check. You know, we don't even know if Kittle's going to play. Like, there's just so many things with San Fran's offense that it just doesn't give me a ton of confidence that they can throw the ball, but that they're just going to conservatively run it down Seattle's throat that they're just going to run out the clock on both sides. Like, I just see this being low scoring, and Seattle can cover in that kind of scenario. Next up, we got Denver hosting Houston. I talked to you about... Denver looking like a hot mess Monday night. So we got a short turnaround and Denver's favored by 10 points against Houston. I just said Denver looked like hot garbage on Monday night. And you want me to lay 10 against the Texans, whom I know suck, but it is 10 against a Denver offense that looked awful. It looked awful against Seattle. Yes, it was rainy weather in in Seattle. And you could say it was an emotional night for us. This down here, the offense looked like you know what. Like, let's be honest. The offense was terrible. They didn't practice in the preseason. It looked like they hadn't practiced in the preseason. It was awful. Awful offense. Nobody was in sync. So now you want to do on a short week, no prep, less rest, to lay 10. It just, this seems like a stupid idea. Like, I know the Texans are not a good team. And I'm not telling you to bet on the Texans. But what I am telling you to do is do not put points on the Broncos at nine and a half or 10. Like, no, no, we're not doing this. This is a bad idea from a DFS standpoint. 
I can play Javante Williams and I can play Melvin Gordon because I still think at the end of the day, they're just going to still try to run it down teams' throats just like they did last year. And either one of those backs can break one off for an 80 to 90 yard run. And then you get your points there because they are still priced both in the 6K range. Like, that's the thing. They are priced cheap enough where they can actually be useful. And that's where, at the end of the day, we got to, like, just be able to make it work. So, for my for my end, you know, it's, it's not the question of, do I think the Broncos are a good offensive play? It's, what are the Broncos good at? Running the ball. The pass game, complete train wreck for us right now. Like, nobody's in sync. Because they didn't practice in preseason. Like, yes, they ran practice, but they didn't play any preseason games. So in actual live reps, they are doing this for the first time, and it showed. Maybe game two looks drastically different, but they were so bad on Monday night and a short week, it's hard to imagine it's going to look that much better. I'm sorry. It's like this is a dumb idea if you're actually going to try to bet on the on the Broncos. I, I just think it's a terrible idea. You know, one of the worst bets you can make. So, to me, you can tease uh, the Texans with uh, a bunch of other teams. Uh, I already told you, like, some of the dogs I liked uh, between the Jets. Like, you could tease the Texans, tease them with the Jets, tease them them, uh, even with Tampa. uh, I mean, tease them even with New Orleans, uh, uh, in a sense, because I think that game's a little scoring. But, like... You could, or or the Giants, like there are so many teams that have are like kind of like being looked down upon that you could just throw in the teasers with the Texans because I don't see the Broncos scoring uh, enough points to lay a sixteen or seventeen point beatdown on the Texans. I don't see like I could see the Broncos running running the ball down their throat and winning like twenty four to six. I could see that scenario, and yes, technically they will cover, but like realistically, I expect the Texans to be able to score 10 to 14 points. I don't see the, the Broncos scoring 27 points. That's the problem with this game. Maybe they might cover the 10, but I could see this game being like a 20 to 10 game with like two, uh, two minutes left, and then the Texans like backdoor cover with a field goal. And I could see that scenario happening because I don't trust this Broncos offense to explode suddenly with as bad as they look Monday night. It's a, it's too short of a turnaround. I've seen this too, story too many times. Next up, another team that looked awful. Arizona, traveling to Vegas to play the Raiders. Listen, Cliff Kingsbury looked about as out of sorts as possible with uh, Arizona last week. It, it was a brutal, brutal matchup just looking at how pathetic uh, the Cardinals look. So, you know, if we're being honest, why are we not going right back and picking on the Cardinals again? I know most people are, but the problem is if you play against the Cardinals, and, and, and I mean, from a DFS standpoint, if you're if you're playing the Ra- Raiders, you're, you're supposed to be using a run back with uh, the uh, the Cardinals. The problem is, I don't like the Cardinals. I don't think the the Cardinals right now look as though they're ready. Like, this is one another one of those teams where 
it looked as though the uh, the Cardinals were another one of these teams in the preseason that just like not not ready to go. And yes, the Chiefs did look uh, somewhat okay Thursday night, but they were not world beaters against the Chargers. The Chargers beat themselves. So it kind of tells me that the Cardinals are even worse than we suspected. So the fact that the Chiefs offense looked as good as they did against the Cardinals, despite the fact that, uh, you know, Thursday night against the Chargers, they needed the Chargers to shoot themselves in the, uh, their own foot, tells me that the Raiders should be able to put up points against the Cardinals. The thing is, people think the Raiders are putting up 30-plus points against the Cardinals, and it feels as though this Raiders team is going to score like 24 to 27. And I don't like the Cardinals. <laughs> like, again, the run back with the Cardinals is maybe Greg Dorch in a blowout spot. I don't like the Cardinals. I don't like James Conner. I don't like any of these pieces right now. It looks as though the Cardinals really are missing Christian Kirk, but I just think there's so many things wrong with the Cardinals at the moment. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury's offense is, uh, Looks like it's been exposed, and it's time for him to shuffle on along and get out before it gets any worse. But um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see, uh, I don't see much, much, uh, much to, uh, much to write home about with the Cardinals. I, I think it's that that loss against the Chiefs was pretty eye opening to me. If we see them struggle against the Raiders. It, this could just be a sign of uh, a long season to come for Kyler and company because I, I don't I don't think there's a way to fix that offense if teams have figured out Kingsbury already. He struggles in the second half of the year. If he is being found out in the first half of the year, it, it, whoo, the, the, we could be talking top 10 draft pick. That's why, That's how bad the situation is in Arizona right now. Now, finally... Game of the day, of my opinion, for this afternoon slate. We'll talk about Sunday night football with uh, Green Bay and Chicago later. We got two Monday night football games, so I got to break those down as well. We'll do that as a, a subsequent episode. But long story short, my game of the day, Cincinnati, seven and a half point favorites, traveling into Dallas to play the Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? No Dak Prescott. Jared Jones is praying. Reading from the scripture. Dak is coming back in four weeks. Skip Bayless saying that Cooper Rush is just as good as Dak. Got a lot of hopium going on with the Cowboys. A lot of hopium. Here's the bottom line. The Cowboys defense is going to have to ball out. And they're going to have to oversell to stop the Bengals. When the Cowboys oversell, yeah, is there a chance their defense plays well? Yes, they could play well against the Bengals. The more likely scenario, in my opinion, considering that they played Sunday night, is that they try to play hard for a half, they get tired, and then the Bengals just absolutely pound them into the ground with deep balls and Joe Mixon. So, from my perspective, I love the Bengals at minus seven and a half. Even though they're a road team at with a big number against a team that technically should have been able to make the playoffs, I love the Bengals in this spot. 
Mainly because while the Cowboys are going to rush the passer, the Bengals do give up a ton of sacks. The Cowboys secondary gambles so much on pass plays that I don't think they can be disciplined enough to just play the Bengals straight up and just use the zone because I think they're going to play some man. And when they play man, I think they're going to get hurt badly by the Bengals. So from my perspective, what this really comes down to is how much can the Cowboys defense hold up? I think they have maybe a half in them. In that time, I still expect Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow to connect a couple of times. In the second half, I expect big pass plays coming down the field. I expect Joe Burrow is going to be over 300 yards passing. I think Jamar Chase has good chance to be 120 yards receiving and passes out of the backfield between Mixon and Higgins. I think you can definitely get... Uh, I think you, you can definitely get a, a pace where, uh, you know, you can get enough exposure on Joe Burrow and that Bengals offense to make it worthwhile. And that's where, from my perspective, it makes sense. I would rather be on the Bengals side than trying to squeeze in the, uh, the Oakland side uh, overall. Because we, we can talk about the Rams in Atlanta, but the Rams are 10.5-point favorites against Atlanta. I think there's more chances for the plays to be made with uh, uh, the Bengals. And, you know, I think it, it, it just comes down to how long can the Cowboys hold out. I don't think they hold out as long as they need to to make it worthwhile. So, from my perspective, this is a dream spot because, A, the Bengals are coming in lower owned from a DFS perspective. Betting-wise, this number has hung at 7.5 when I think this is the number like that could be up to 10 the way the Rams are, even though the, the Bengals are a road team. No Dak Prescott, Cooper Rush. They get behind. He's going to have to try to make some throws. With the Bengals expecting him to throw, they're not going to be able to like, just hide behind Pollard and Zeke running the ball, even though they'll probably give Zeke more carries than he should, even though he's the second-best running back on his own team. I think this is just a smash spot for the Bengals in the second half. I, I'm loading up on the Bengals. It's my favorite bet for the week. My DFS builds are going to be highly concentrated on the Bengals uh, with uh, Chase, uh, Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon. So... And we'll have Burroughs in the in the quarterback spot as well. We'll use some lineups with uh, Carson Wentz, and yeah, we could do some Stafford lineups. But realistically, I am focusing on Joe Burrow in the passing game for the Bengals because I think there's just going to be plenty of yards to be had. That's just the way I'm looking at it, and uh, how I think they'll be able to attack. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. But uh, I just think that at the end of the day, it's just. It's going to be more worthwhile uh, doing uh, this approach to the build than anything else. Because I think with some of these other games, you know, we don't have to force the issue. With this, we kind of know from a game script perspective 
how this is going to play out. You know, the Bengals are still going to be giving work to Mixon. There's no dual back. You know, P. Ryan does come in from a couple of third down plays, but realistically, even Mixon still is getting uh, work in the passing game. Jamar Chase is the number one wide receiver. Yes, you have Higgins and Boyd, but Chase is going to get the bulk of the targets. I just think there's worthwhile uh, plays to be made and kind of uh, to go with. So that's how I would approach uh, the slate, and it's the way I'm building out the lineup. So um, a lot of Bengals. You got Amon Ron St. Brown. You've got uh, you got uh, uh, McLaurin and uh, uh, Chris Samuels on the Washington side, and I think that's the way to build. Uh, you know, I could be wrong, but I think uh, from a points perspective, like those are going to be the more higher scoring games at the end of the day, and you know that's all I can hope for. So that's going to do it for me. I'm getting on out of here. We got. Uh, other games later on today that I'll, I'll uh, work on covering just because we'll have three more games to get through. So we'll, we'll do that in a separate episode. But that's all for now, folks. Have a good one and best of luck. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets. <laughs>